Welcome to Culture Bites, where we take culture theory and turn it into everyday insights. We're powered by Human Synergistics, and our mission is to change the world one organization at a time. We can only do that together with our amazing community, so thank you for listening. Welcome to Culture Bites. My name's Dominic Gawley. I'm a consultant with Human Synergistics Australia, and I'm joined by a very special guest, our head of consulting, Corinne Cantor. Hey, Dom, how are you? Yeah, doing well, but I have a question for you. And it's something that comes up. Uh, like, I've had this discussion with lots of different people in different situations. So, I'd just be interested in your take on it. And it's really around finding a balance mm. between giving it straight, right? Straight up, you know, what, what's going on, uh, but not alienating people. Mm. And particularly in the case of the CEO. Yeah. Yeah, so we're given some feedback to the CEO, and it could be in a coaching program using LSI, or it could be in a culture program, you know, here's the results. And there's that moment where you feel them pull back, yep. and you're like, oh dear, yep. right? Because it's important that we keep the CEO on board, but at the same time, we don't want to kind of dilute the message. So I'd love to hear from your experience, you know, how do you, how do you balance those? Where do you go mm. in that moment? They're slightly different situations, aren't they, Dom? Mm. You know, one where you're giving the CEO feedback from the LSI versus giving a workshop mm. of senior leaders with the CEO feedback on the culture. Which do you want to go with first? What do you think is... Let's, um, let's go with, start with the individual first. Okay. I think this is where... So we'll answer in that moment, but I think this is where pre-brief and the rapport building is really important. Mm. So in working with leaders and CEOs, I spend a bit of time understanding what's important to them, what are their pain points, what do they enjoy, what are the challenges, where do they think they need to focus their effort in terms of their own development needs. And I also talk to them about some of the feedback that they might get uh. and some of that feedback might be difficult to hear. Uh. and help them prepare for that. So while that doesn't help you, it does actually help you in the moment if you've had that discussion because you can refer back to, you know, when we started this journey, we talked about the fact that part of my role is to tell you, to give you all the news, not just the good news, but oh. some of the news that you may not want to hear. It might be some bad news in that. So, and that, that some of this feedback might be difficult. So you can reference it. So I think it is very important to have that conversation. Sometimes we, if you rush towards making kind of the debriefing, the big event, you miss some of the, the building blocks along the way. So I think that's the first thing. In the moment, you, you know, and this is something that happens, I think, without words, where you, they've looked at, and it might be they've looked at their circumplex. Yep. That's the only thing that's happened. Mm -hmm. And you have registered. The eyebrows go up, mm -hmm. the eyes are a bit bigger. The wall's coming up. The wall's coming up mm -hmm. or they move back or they look surprised or disappointed. So you observe something and it may be that they start with a question or a comment that sort of says, but that's not everyone. So it'll be something that starts to move away from the feedback or maybe you find that they don't want to spend a lot of time talking about it. They might go, yep, mm -hmm. okay. Yep, totally. Fine, I've you. seen that. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Great. Okay. Got it. 
mm-hmm. and they don't want to talk about it anymore. The temptation in that moment is like, oh, I'm losing them, right? The yeah. wall's coming up. Yeah. So how do I yeah. lower the wall, yeah. the drawbridge or something? Yeah. And they can be sometimes kind of colluding with them. Yeah. That, you know, like, yeah. like, oh, yeah, like. Yeah. In these so moments, bad. as a coach practitioner, you've got to be aware that your own LSI might be playing out, mm. you know, and I think it does feel like you're losing them, okay, but even in thinking that they are not for you to lose, mm. you know, it mm. feels like that though. Mm. And so one of the things that I do and I encourage people to do is to notice what's going on with you. So mm. if you're feeling like <gasps> you might have a moment yeah. of, because that's what that feels like, oh. Well, because in your mind you're like, oh, my God, this could put the whole thing in jeopardy if they yeah. think, if they you know, yeah. don't like it or something, then yeah. does that call everything off? Yeah. And it's fairly normal, especially if you're newer to mm. delivering feedback. And I think what practitioners can do is either soften it, you know, well, you know, it's not that bad or, you know, you end up colluding or can avoid it, mm. you know. So I think in that moment I find the first thing that I do is anchor myself into my role. What's my role? Uh. Okay, my role is to support this person in their development and to help them inquire and be curious about what this is bringing up. It's not just what's on the page, it's what's bringing up in them. In them. And so some of the inquiry is pause, what do you see? Uh. They could describe. So I think it's about getting them to talk about what they see what is it something that you can relate to? I notice when you first looked at it, yeah. so you might reflect an observation that you saw if you feel that it's appropriate to do that. Because what you do have, I think we can get into trouble if we're too much into our own head and trying to come up with a game plan, uh-huh. you know, because that moves you away from actually being in the moment with your client. And so, you know, I this is very strong feedback. How are you doing with that? Uh, you know, I noticed initially that there seemed to be a bit of surprise. Uh, Pause. So I think it's about using your observations and asking them questions, you know, how are they doing with that? For the practitioner in that moment, it's going to be really important you don't try and rush it, uh, and that will be the temptation. Uh, wh- is what do you mean by rushing it? You want to fill it in. You want to fill it in with a description of what it is and how otherwise it might be interpreted (laughs) and what it would mean. And and so you fill in the silence, you know. And it could be that they need the silence to be able to process, you know. And a couple of my lessons have been that it's curious to see what happens when you let the silence be. And I found a couple of times, well, many times, they may well be processing and they need that time to think through and they might lead with a different inquiry. So I think the first thing is be prepared to not plaster over that moment of discomfort with a description of the style or go on to the next question. Mm. And that requires sometimes if if it's uncomfortable for you it requires that that courage to stay with somebody else's process and remember that you're there for them 
And the important thing that they need from you at that moment is acceptance, you know, the ability to be with them and not judge them and not try and make it okay, not try and, and fix it for them. So I think in that moment, if I think about what I do, and I've I've had, you know, over 15 years I've had a whole range of reactions where I've probably tried to rescue and I've tried to make it better. And what I've learned to do is really to stay with them wow. okay, because and sort of help them to check how they're doing. So one of the things that I do is I ask a lot of questions around how you're doing, what do you make of that, what surprised you about that, what do you, you know, what's the first thing that occurs to you. So I ask a lot of questions that get them to inquire with what's happening with them in that moment. What if someone kind of goes the other way, like if they got quite challenging feedback and ask mm. one, sometimes, or an outside two rather, sometimes they can be like, well, it occurs to me that everyone hates me <laughs> or something, right? And yep. I mean, maybe that's a bit too specific, but do you get my point of like, because mm. you don't want to like follow them down that hole either. Mm. No, well, I've had one, um, and I might have told this story before, where I've had one direct report to a CEO who spent the preliminary kind of warm-up setup stage in an LSI telling me how he was number three in the leadership team and he was the youngest this and he'd achieved that and all the things that he'd achieved. Mm -hmm. But the reason I was debriefing him was because everybody internal was worried about debriefing him because there was such a high level of aggressive defensiveness. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself as we were warming up and he was telling me all of his achievements and trophies, et cetera, I was thinking, okay, this will be interesting because when I gave him the feedback and he saw, he aspired to being constructive, but Mm. he saw how little constructive there was Mm. and how much red there was. His immediate reaction was, well, I'm going to have to resign. Wow. Yep. And... I'm going to have to resign because this organization really needs leaders that can be constructive. And he was reacting to his LSI because the highest style in his LSI was competitive. Uh. I'm not a winner, I'm a loser, Uh. so I have to go. So in that moment, I just went, whoa, okay, just let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater is exactly what I think I said. So Uh. why... Have you gone there? What's taken you straight to resignation? How has that come up as being the best thing for you to do? So it was a questioning of the reaction and he talked about it. He said, well, the company's going this way. I'm not that way. And I'm saying, okay, why do you think the company's investing in you to do this work? And so it was a question of kind of comparison, sort of, getting him to think through really would a company that wanted you to resign go to the trouble of doing, you know, investing in you in coaching. And that wasn't And promoting you to an executive at a young age to an and all executive, the stuff he yeah. said. Yeah. So it was using facts and evidence as a way to help people think through oh. their thinking. And so I think I've had some people who've said everybody hates me or they've gone very upset and angry. Because why, so this case with this guy, once he went through, you know, I'm going to resign, he got angry. He said, why is this the first time I'm hearing about it? (laughs) You know, I've known these people. Probably a fair question Absolutely a fair question, you know. And so in that moment, if you are 
you've got to really stay with yourself. But if you can be compassionate and show them that you're not about to judge them, you can enter from the point of view of what's going on. Well, why do you think this has come as such a surprise? What do you think has gotten in the way of people being able to give you feedback? If you go back to the conversations that you've had with people, tell me a bit about the interactions that you've had. So you're always using a question as a way to help them see in their mind their interactions with people. And so, Dom, you've got to give me some guidance here. I'm not sure if I'm being too broad or whether it's the kind of... No, I I like it. It's, you know, I guess it's just that moment of, am I going to lose this really important person? And I was just kind of thinking because we're typically going at it from the point of view of, I'm worried that they're upset, so now I'm going to kind of sugarcoat the message, Mm. right? Which is one way you could go. But I can see a situation where people go the other way, like, I am the harbinger of truth, and I will let you know the full unbridled truth. And I wonder then, you know, I'm going to stick to my principles, right, and I'm going to give it to you straight. But question, could that lead to you then being outside the tent? Right now I'm outside the tent. I have zero influence. It may do, Dom, but you can't control that. You know, like all you can do is play the role that you've been hired to do. But if I'm now outside the tent, then how can I help? Do you see what I mean? Like I do, but I think that you're not necessarily going to be able to control every situation. So mm. there may be times when the risk that you take is that you do end up outside the tent. Mm. But That's why being conscious of the role that you're playing in that moment and explaining Mm. to the client, you know, this is why I'm, the reason I'm saying this is because Mm. you're in the middle of bringing about a change. Mm. This is part of that process. So there's a lot that you can do before you end up outside the tent, but at Mm. the same time, you're not in control of their reaction. And so their reaction may well mean, like I have been in the situation where I have supported and challenged the best way that I can to try and help the CEO accept the feedback or own the feedback. They were not not ready to. It was that situation where we talked about sometimes they're just not ready for that feedback. There was another instance where I had a leader say to me they had very high power and very high perfectionistic and oppositional. And he said, well, I am the most senior leader here. Of course, I'm going to have to be power oriented. I'm going to have to take responsibility and so on. And so in that instance, that was about not placating it, but actually saying, yes, I understand that you have to be clear and you have to be honest, but do you have to be hostile? That's what that item says. So that was quite a, but it's done calmly and in the same way. So I kind of feel, I get what you're saying about the risk is that you may end up being outside the tent, but you've got to go back to what your objective is, what they've hired you to do. And it's very important that if you think that that's a risk, that you can have a conversation around it in a way that that lets them know, I need to speak to you about something. I think it will be something that you find difficult to hear. I'd appreciate it if you could hear me out. Mm. Or 
there's an issue that we need to talk about. It's an issue that you may find difficult to talk about. What do you think is the best way for me to handle that with you? Mm. Okay, so it's kind of holding that tension but in yeah. a compassionate way. In a compassionate um, way and also, you know, one of our very close colleagues and fantastic practitioner coach Rollo Brown talks about mm. names of inoculation. So it's really around acknowledging that there's a difficult conversation that's going to happen and, you know, how can, what's the best way for us to have that conversation? I've said to, you know, in the past with my team members, there's got to be a space where I can give you feedback that might be corrective. Uh, How do do I do that? Uh. You know, help me understand what's the best way of doing it. So I think it's the same same principle. Which is giving them the heads up that there's gonna there's about to be some corrective yeah. feedback. Yeah. So shifting things at the start, we talked about individual one-on-one coaching and you know a workshop kind of setting. And for myself, at least, I think it's kind of easier almost in the one-on-one because it's one-on-one, right? And as the two yeah. of us talking, we can explore those questions yeah. more. What about in a workshop setting where a leader might get challenging feedback on the culture results, for instance? And you can feel them pull back. And again, you're kind of like, well, oh, it's not so bad, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I think in those situations, it's always better out than in and better that they talk about it. Yeah. So what I would do is create a lot more opportunity for them to have small groups. Uh, what surprised you? What was confirmed? Uh, what's top of mind reaction? What other questions do you have? Uh, and get them to talk about it. They can download and share the discussion. It also means that they're engaging with the data and they're not making you the messenger. You know, they're not going to blame the messenger because you're redirecting them back to it's a population sample. <laughs> So this is not something that I'm saying about you. It's something that is emerging from your people. But it gives them the opportunity to acknowledge their reaction to share. Now, putting them in small groups, the risk is that it the disappointment, the venting or whatever hijacks spreads the spread. (laughs) But the way that you can structure the way you structure it, so you don't make it an open question necessarily. You make it quite specific. There's some structure. Questions, but I always think it's much better for them to raise the issues mm. and to talk about it. To me, that is much better outcome than if they don't say anything in the room and they do all the talking about it outside of the workshop. How do you do it? Because, you know, kind of what I'm hearing behind some of this is that change curve yeah. stuff, right? Shock, yeah. denial, bargaining, <clears throat> yep. you know, whatever else it is. And that can kind of happen in the moment when we get feedback, right? Shock, denial, that can't be right. For, you know, in a situation, I guess, where they might be pushing back, they can start, like in the LSI example, well, it's the tool. Yeah. Or it's the people where you asked or something like that is wrong. How much do you engage in that conversation and start defending, well, it's statistically valid mm. versus like, well, where would you go, I guess, in that situation? If they're blaming the tool or the data. Yeah, the tool and the data and, well, you know. Yeah. My instinct and initial reaction is always tell me more. Mm. Okay, what causes you to say that? What is it that you're reacting to? And I think where where it gets sticky 
is we get caught trying to defend the data. Yes. Let the data speak for itself. Okay, so what of this doesn't make sense to you? And sometimes what I've found is often they have, it's about explaining the data point in a bit more detail. So sometimes if they see something like personal basis of power, so the level of respect that people have for their managers, so they might say something, well, that's a bit unfair. We've done a lot of work trying to do communication and, uh-huh. you know, we've done this, we've done that, we've done that. And then so what I would go with that, okay, let's talk about what this actually means and then come back to your point around why it's unfair. Uh-huh. And so we'll talk about, so this is about why people are motivated to follow the instructions of their leader. So it's fantastic. So why it be that it's fantastic that you've done all these communications and that's actually quite a positive thing. What this is speaking to is that individual mm. interaction, that individual relationship. So I think that sometimes I probe, I want to understand what they've reacted to and I'm genuinely curious about it. And what I've found sort of eight times out of ten, it's usually because They've looked at a word mm. and they've made it mean something that it, it doesn't, doesn't mean. Mm. Do you think there's a difference because we talked about the one-on-one coaching session versus a workshop? And so in a workshop, there's a group of people. And so, you know, leaders can feel caught on the hop a yeah. bit, right? Like, and, you know, the culture data is kind of a reflection of my leadership. That's what they can feel. And yeah, there's truth is. in that. Yeah, there's <laughs> yeah, truth in that yeah. as well, right? And so... The publicness of it, I guess, can mm. can be another mm. factor mm. just to think about. So Yeah, I think that's right. I think that sometimes being in a group and I think even with culture data, an effective leadership team will take it personally. Personally. Yeah. Because and in a way, you want to create a felt need for change. Mm. If it's water if a duck's back, mm. why change? Yeah. You know, it's just a piece of information. So I think that it's not a bad thing if leaders have taken it personally. What is not helpful is if they get stuck in the disappointment yes, and they don't move through it, which is why I think you've got to acknowledge. So I would say, look, from, so this is what you're talking about, Dom. How much do you not soften, but you... Yeah, how do you tune the message? Tune so you're, the giving message. It, you're giving it straight, but you're not losing them in the mm. process and you're not sugarcoating it mm. and and then they get they end up hearing, oh no, actually it's all okay. And it's mm. like, well that's not quite what I meant. <laughs> yeah. And so I think it's really about the guide there that I would say is don't go into giving a softer explanation of the data. Mm. The data's the data. So I would typically with a leadership group, if they've taken it quite hard and it looks like they're getting stuck. I would go back to, okay, what we know about how culture works is that there are five 31 factors that Mm. shape the culture result. And so there are a number of factors, a number of possibilities of levers for change. And we are where we are. Now, the good thing about this is that you know it. Mm. You now have that information. Leaders often inherit a culture. They're not here at day dot. Yep. But what counts is what you do with this data now. And so I find that the key things in there are acknowledging that a leader's inherited the Mm. culture. It's not quite letting them off the hook, but it's Mm. acknowledging that... It's not all them either. It's not all them Mm. and that 
they are a group, but it's also acknowledging it is good that you have this information. Mm. It might hurt now, you Mm. know, and it might be strong and hard to take, but wouldn't you much rather know Mm. that this is... Because it still exists whether you look at it or not. It exists whether you know about it or not. So much better that you know because now you can work with it. Mm. And in addition to identifying the current state, we now have some ideas about what you can do as a leadership team to turn it around. So really what counts now is understanding the insight so that you can pull the right levers to turn it around. So that would be more my approach is acknowledging it, pointing out that this is not something, it can be disappointing, it can even hurt as a leader to see that this is where the culture's gone to. And I think that it's a sobering moment. So I might talk in that sort of language. And I think it's important to understand how we got here. And then from that point of, so that we can really understand what the inside is and takeaway is. So at that point, I might give them time to talk about it to each other. So what I'm hearing is that it's almost acknowledging it, hearing it, and then kind of redirecting it. Yeah. Right. Towards well, where you know now that we know this, right? Yeah. That's a good thing. Yeah. We can actually do something about it. So yeah. trying uh, to kind of because you got, I think you got to hear people out, right? If they absolutely. if they have that kind of reaction, yeah. but then get, trying to steer them back on course. I think you get into trouble when you try and make them feel okay when clearly they don't feel okay. Yes. You know, like give them their moment. Yeah. Of sting, kind of you got to honor it. You know, because what is happening here might actually be part of the transformation process. And it often is, right? Like having talked to a lot of CEOs of successfully, you know, transitioned, often in that first measure, particularly around culture, there was something that they didn't like. Yeah. You know, and they're like, I don't like that. I want to do something about it. Yeah. And And I think the catalyst for them. You started the podcast was talking about balance. And I Mm. think that part of the role of a internal consultant, you know, or an external consultant when you're doing a workshop around culture, moving and shifting culture can raise anxiety. And part of our role isn't to fix that for people, is to help hold them steady and give a balanced perspective. Okay. So that's part of our role. And if you remember that as a practitioner, then you're not trying to play the rescuer role. Right. You're not trying to make sure that then you're not going to lose the opportunity because they don't like the data. You're really going to get that perspective, that balanced perspective. Okay, on the one hand, we have this, but on the other hand, there's this. And really, you're at a choice point. Mm. So what's happened has happened, and there's the opportunity to learn from it. And then I might bring in other case studies where we know organisations that have had a baseline that is actually much more defensive than this have been able to. So there's a bit of hope that has to come in, not to rescue, but to help them see. It's possible. It's possible. And and it's not unique. It's possible, it's not unique, and it's their effort that makes the difference. Yes. And it's the ability to, part of the transformation is being able to receive the feedback in that constructive way. I love it. I think those are great points to end on, Corinne. Thanks for that. (laughs) No worries. I hope that was helpful. (laughs) Certainly was. Thank you very much. See you on another podcast. Another podcast. Thanks, Tom. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Culture Bites. If you enjoy the show, remember to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, leave us a review. It helps other people to find the show. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, email podcast at human-synergistics.com.au. We'd love to answer it. This podcast is copyrighted by Human Synergistics Australia, all rights reserved. To learn more about what we do, visit human-synergistics.com.au. Thank you.